You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's a Sooners Illustrated podcast. Episode 32 on this Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy with his Ranger stuff. We'll get to that in just a second. James D. Jackson, Tom Green will be along in just a bit on this Bedlam preview Thursday. Massive week in the state of Oklahoma. Huge weekend coming up. Going to be a lot of fun over there in Stillwater. Got basketball coming up on Monday. We got recruiting news to talk about. Loaded show on a Thursday, and it's the debut of our new look. I don't want to call it a studio. It's not a studio, but our new look here on uh, on the Sooners Illustrated podcast. We're still missing one piece. Our names are supposed to be right there. And uh, we'll be there next Thursday. My name today is... <laughs> Whatever you want it to be. Choose your own adventure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, choose your character for the day. That'd be pretty awesome. I'm World Series champion. How about yeah? That? There you World go. Series champ. Nah, it, it, great, great time right now. We got a new look on the stream. It'll look more complete whenever the rest of the game hops in. But hundred percent on my on my end, like I don't even care if I don't have a name. To be honest with you, you could, just you could literally not acknowledge my presence for the entire day, and I would not care because the Texas Rangers have won the World Series. A lot of our board members knew I was on pins and needles basically throughout the entire series. Here we are. You know, I've got all the guys up on shelf one, and i got another Ranger <laughs> shelf back here. I don't know if you can see a Rubinetto door in the bottom corner, but Yankees no. Legend. What's that? I said Yankees legend, Rubinetto door. Yankees, Yankees legend, if you recognize him without the beard, you know. But, I yeah, mean, yeah. look, yeah, I just wanted to say we got a lot of DFW sports fans naturally because OU, Dallas is basically in the backyard. So if you're out there, I'm not going to harp on it too long, but – if you're out there and you're like me, you're a Rangers fan, you know that there's a different level of connectivity to the Texas Rangers more so than like the Cowboys, the Mavericks, or even the Stars. And so, yeah, last night was probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I know I'm kind of similar to a lot of others. I wanted to see the Rangers win the World Series before I left this planet, and now I can die a happy man. So congrats, everybody out there, if you're like me. Bring the gear out loud and proud today. 100%. My wife, obviously, Matt, Colin knows her well. Madeline, big Rangers fan as well. Spent a lot of money on merch last night. Um, did you see yeah. some of the videos of the lines at academies and stuff around? I mean, just like miles long. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. So, yeah, 
Shout out to all the, uh, I'm sure, heavy crossover OU fans that are also Texas Rangers fans. Congrats. What and now, would know. And now, shout out to y'all because it's Bedlam Week, the last one. Oh, yeah. Potentially. Forever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is. It's cra- It's a weird, weird vibe. Um, you know, yeah. Bedlam's is one of those things. It's every year. You know, you look forward to it. It's a big deal in Oklahoma. It's the Oklahoma Super Bowl. And uh, the fact that next season, Hasn't really stunk in totally, honestly, that it when the whistle blows, you know, and that clock strikes zeros on Saturday, that that could be the last time we see it for who knows how long. It feels like at the very least it's going to be a while. Um, it, it's weird. It's it's strange. So we'll get into that. Uh, obviously, yep. massive Bedlam preview show coming up. We're all going to pick the game, give all our thoughts, analysis, and everything we're looking forward to this weekend. And like I said, hoop season opener on Monday for both the women and the men. Both in Norman, um, the women play an afternoon game, men at night. So we'll have James and Tom in here later to uh, preview a little bit of that, uh, what we are expecting on Monday. I saw the team play last night in a scrimmage, so has some thoughts of my own. Look forward to getting into that. And, of course, some recruiting talk, which is where we'll start, as always, on these Thursday shows with our guy Colin here, our lead recruiting analyst. Sooners did pick up a commit on Saturday. I don't want to say it got lost in the shuffle because, obviously, yeah. the fans are very dialed in. They, they know what happened, but – in the midst of uh, what was just a miserable day in Lawrence, Kansas. It was it was awful. Uh, Oklahoma picked up a commit, Reggie Powers, who we talked about last week on the show, former Michigan State commit, decommitted, four-star safety. You talked about last Thursday on the show that you thought that this was something that could be happening very, very soon. And then, boom, it happened Saturday afternoon during the game, uh, Oklahoma and Kansas. Talk about it, uh, CK, about you know what Oklahoma's getting, what went into it, just a, kind of everything. And then also uh, – it, it's, I guess it happens, but it's kind of funny to have a guy commit during a game. You know, kind of a little, little unique, little wrinkle there. I think I'll always remember that Reggie Powers committed during that miserable OU Kansas game. Like I think I'm always going to have that in my mind whenever he's here and playing. It'll always, always remember that. And I hate that for the kid, by the way. Like he, yeah. <laughs> he was a ray of sunshine on a on a very not good day for a lot of yeah. So you work all this this time, you put in so much effort to get to this point, and then next thing you know, you're making this massive decision while the fan base you're committing to is just flat out angry. Yeah, yeah, which is then why I tried to to further contextualize this moment. Obviously, I've talked about the player, but I don't think OU fans in the moment truly appreciated for obvious reasons how big of a get this was for OU. I mean, Reggie Powers, especially after going from outside the top 247 to number 154 overall in the top 247 of the 2024 cycle, guys, he is the number one ranked defensive back for OU now in this cycle. So the highest rated DB pledge for the Sooners in the senior class. He is also within the top five of highest rated Oklahoma commits. So he's in there with David Stone, Nigel Smith, really well-known players. And then on top of that, not only is he the highest ranked DB, one of the top five highest rated commits for OU, like he can take those talents to a number of different positions. I mean, I I wrote about a little bit and I've talked about it here. They want him to play Cheetah. They think it can be kind of a, a nickel corner like Kendall Dolby. They think he can play the high safety and like some cover three base looks. They think he can play on special teams. They think he could potentially even play some weak side linebacker. And he's already standing at 6'1", 200, so you just don't know 
what this guy is going to look like. You just know it's going to look really good, both frame-wise and actual playing ability. So, right. yeah, man, Reggie Powers is a, a hell of a get for Oklahoma. And congrats to him and his family. His his dad was great to, to me and Alan True being like, hey, we're coming up at this time. Get ready. And once it popped, I was like, all right, we got to – we got to give this family and Reggie Powers their due because he is a heck of a player. This is a really quality get for Oklahoma. Yeah, I didn't even really know. Um, you know, I'm on the field there in Lawrence, and I'm not looking at my phone too much because it's pouring rain and it's freezing. And uh, I think I came in, maybe it was at halftime. I can't remember exactly when, but somebody mentioned, hey, you know, uh, Reggie Powers committed. And I was, oh, nice. Some, some good news for Oklahoma today on a day that's not been good. Um, so shout out him. And uh, like I said, if nothing else, it's it's it'll something that I think he'll remember. I know you fans will probably remember a little bit is uh, during that. Remember that Kansas game that was just wet, had the delay, and it, OU lost to Kansas first time in thirty years almost. That was the day Reggie Powers committed. It's kind of kind of funny for him, but yeah, very good player, and uh, excited to see him when he gets to Norman in uh, you know a year or so. Hey, uh, how excited are you now that we can talk about it as two people who've gone through the muck? How excited are you? You never have to go to Lawrence, Kansas again potentially. Yeah, um, very. Um, if nothing else for the drive, the drive is just the worst. It's just nothingness all around you for a lot of it. Now, I will say Tom and I have kicked around and are, are probably, you know, heavily considering going to Fog Allen this season because last time that OU basketball played there for, again, Conley Bedlam, who knows how long. And that place is the best. Um, if you've been with Colin, you have, right? You've been to Fog. It's yeah. the best. Nothing else like it. Um, they play up there on a Saturday in January, Oklahoma does this year. So I may be making one more voyage. Um, but yeah, the drive is just all time. It's not even that it's that far. It's like four hours from OKC, but it's just, just so boring. <laughs> just yeah. nothing, just nothing in every direction. As far as the eye can see. It was one of the most Lawrence, Kansas games I've ever seen. The weather is always terrible in Kansas, just the state. It's yeah. always bad. I've never been up there, whether it's Kansas city for big 12 hoops, Manhattan, Lawrence, whatever, always cold, probably raining. It's not a good weather state. It's not. You'll and be, if there are any Oklahoma Kansas fans here. watching, no, no, no respect. Not a good weather state. No. Just how it is. Just what it is. They're probably like, yeah, no, the weather's yeah. terrible. <laughs> They're cold. It's different. It's a different kind of cold up there. And uh, that was on display on Saturday for sure. So. We got some good news there for Oklahoma with Reggie Powers. More potentially coming tonight. Marcus James going to announce his commitment tonight. Uh, 6.30, the approximate time at Carl Albert Fieldhouse this evening. So if you're tuning into the show after he committed, you know what he decided. Head on over to the site or uh, check out the YouTube channel because both I and James will be there at Carl Albert this evening to get his commitment announcement. Talk to him afterwards. So keep an eye out for all that good stuff. But CK, this is one that you felt good about for Oklahoma. 2025 athlete is how we list that. He does play everywhere at Carl Albert. If you've never seen him play, he plays offense and defense, but he's going to come to OU on the defensive side. We talked about that before. How you feeling, Colin? Last little temperature check here about, uh, as we record, a little less than seven hours or so before he makes this thing official. Yeah, I, I, I still lean Oklahoma here, right? Have the crystal ball in. I think my confidence level that I placed it at was seven out of ten. And I just think Oklahoma's done a really good job of recruiting Marcus James, and rightfully so. I mean, th this is one that I've kind of tabbed as a must-get for OU. You're talking about a six-three, six-foot-four, 
200 plus pound linebacker in the state of Oklahoma, that like rarely ever happens, right? <laughs> Whenever those kind of dudes show up in the state, you got to go get them, especially if you're going to go play in the Southeastern Conference. And so, look, I, there are other programs that are deservedly in the race and they could easily come out on top. But I, I think Oklahoma is an outstanding position to potentially land this guy. And we don't have him ranked yet at 24-7. I've mentioned previously as to why, just getting more film, looking at him is obviously he's he's just such a unique player. Like you mentioned, he, he yeah. plays everywhere. His frame changes by the day. I mean, 6'3 to 6'4. It seemed like over the summer he was like 195. I think he's now up to 210, 215. So you you could blink and this guy could be 220 pounds tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why I believe that eventually he's probably got four-star ceiling written on him, but he's got to go and prove it on the field. However, OU really likes this guy as someone who could play inside linebacker, maybe even some cheetah. And so if they end up out on top of this one, I think that this is a really quality get for them should they win out for Marcus James. Heck of a player. I really like the kid, too. He's a great guy. I enjoy talking to him at, at summer camps and all that. So we'll see. But OU fans, if you're hoping for good news, reason to ex- at least expect it going into tonight's announcement. Yeah, one of those guys that just looks different. You know, we were at you know Brett Venable's football camps back in June, and you're like, who's that guy? Who's that kid? Yep. Um, and then, yeah, I've seen Carl Albert play a couple times this year, and yeah, he just he looks the part in pads. It's like, oh man, he is he's a monster, and his frame has got a lot of room for yeah to put more on with Schmidt and stuff like that. He's gonna be a scary scary player, and obviously, you already got Kevin Sperry in tow there. Xavier Robinson, the twenty four group. We talked before the chasing Tristan Haynes and that twenty five crop as well. So continuing to just make their way through the Carl Albert roster, uh, pretty much. You already got a couple. You had. From previous years, you had Reed DeQuazy walked on this, this past year, preferred walk on. You had um, the quarterback whose name's escaping Ben Harris. Is that? I believe that's correct. Mm-hmm. The quarterback is not Oklahoma anymore. But there's been a lot of Titans that have made their way to Norman. And the, the latest may just be Marcus James. They're coming up tonight. So, again, keep up with that. James and I are both going to be there. Just a stone's throw away from me here in Oklahoma City. And uh, we'll, get, we'll catch up with Marcus after he makes his decision. You can catch that on the YouTube channel and also – uh, the site, Oklahoma.247sports.com, which, by the way, reminds me, 60% off right now. Yep. Yearly subscription for Bedlam Week. No better time. Stretch run for football, basketball starting. Before you know it, it's going to be December, signing day, and the transfer portal starts heating up. Perfect time. Perfect time. 60% off. Come aboard. Come aboard and be part of the party. All right. Uh, other recruiting things. Don't have a whole lot else going on. I did want to mention uh, Andy Bass. In the recruiting rankings, got a nice little boosty boost uh, this week. Of course, most fans are familiar with Andy Bass at this point. Heritage Hall, quarterback, coming to Oklahoma as a running back, beast, just straight up beast. If you've never seen the guy, he's probably the most jacked high school football player I've ever seen, especially at the quarterback spot. Um, Colin, kind of put in perspective what the rankings boost means. I think fans see, like, you know, we're here. Oh, we got a nice boost. That that's That's cool. But he's one of the higher-rated three-stars in the country now, right? I mean, kind of where does he fall now in terms of his ranking and how more, much more wild is it that he's actually technically a preferred walk-on? At yeah. They've found a way to swindle this. If you really 
try and understand what's going on here. This is nuts that Andy Bass is considered an 89 overall grade. So for some, some further context here, right, we had Andy Bass in the network rankings at an 86, which is a very quality three-star grade. Now, what I think people forget is that if you're a three-star, three-star football players are elite. Like when you can, when you really consider it across the country, if you are considered a three-star recruit, you're like in the 99th percentile, basically, when you consider how many guys out there play high school football, do not get rated, do not go on to play college ball. So a three-star grade at 24-7 sports, remember, these stars and rankings project not to the collegiate level, but to the NFL draft. So three-star, yeah. four-star, five-star, that's not saying they're a five-star caliber college football player. A five-star essentially means we believe that this player is going to be picked within the top 32 of the NFL draft one day. Andy Bass being named the highest graded three-star of an 89 essentially means our network is saying Andy Bass, a player who is going to you technically as a preferred walk-on to play running back, slot receiver, special teams, Wildcat quarterback, we're saying he is now not only considered a collegiate starter at the next level, but he has day three NFL draft potential, which, again, for someone who is playing out of position technically at the high school level, is continuing to figure out what he's going to do and what he's going to be. And on top of that, literally going to a place to be a preferred walk-on rather than take scholarship opportunities elsewhere. Now, he'll be paid, obviously, through NIL and all that, so it takes care of that. But it's just – it's insane. And so for him to be an 89 and the highest-graded three-star with however many weeks of the season left to play, obviously we're winding things down in the regular season – He'll go play in the playoffs. That's, that's an incredibly encouraging marker. And on top of that, I've mentioned to fans on the show, our network prefers not to do individual rankings updates. We would like to gather as much data as possible, right, and then assign new rankings updates roughly by the quarter. So for our scouting guys at the top to basically say, look, we got we to gotta change Andy Bass's grade and yeah. give him the highest-rated three-star grade possible. Just a testament to the work that he's put in and the heck, the type of football player that he is as well. Well-deserved for Andy Bass, so congrats goes out to him. And now he's one of the highest-graded three-stars in OU's very talented class, one that's top six in the country. And when you see Andy Bass there and you say, that guy's one of the preferred walk-ons for OU, <laughs> one of the highest-rated three-stars they have, really cool moment for him. Yeah, he just feels like he's just destined to get to Oklahoma and, and make some noise. Um, not your normal walk on in any uh, no. in any realm, you know, capacity of the term. Um, he, he's going to come to Oklahoma and, and be a problem. And yeah, like you mentioned, still some runway here on the season. This is the last week of high school football in Oklahoma of the regular season. But Heritage Hall, where he plays, is they're going to keep playing for a while um, there at the three A level. So he's going to have some more games. And if you're an Oklahoma fan and you just want to see him play, they'll probably be at at, uh, at UCO at the end of the year playing a state title game. I'd, I'd, I'd venture on out there because he is so much fun to watch because he's just uh, a monster, just an absolute monster playing the quarterback spot uh, there for the Chargers. Obviously a really good program uh, at Heritage. I wish to produce Gavin Freeman and a medley of other uh, OU players as well. Kind of like we are talking about Carl Albert earlier. Heritage Hall is kind of in that same vein. 
Um, all right, so I do want to get a little bit of bedlam talk with UCK before you go. And obviously, like I said, Tom James will be in a little in, in just a minute to preview the game in full, and we'll do a little hoops on the way out as well. CK last bedlam. Um, yeah. It's wild. This game is always nuts. You know, Oklahoma happens or tends to win it a lot, as OU fans know. Um, the game always feels crazy. And it always feels like on that day when it kicks off that, like, anything can happen, even though, again, Oklahoma usually wins. Um, they are a slight favorite, not a huge favorite, but they're, you know, solid favorite, but not massive by any means. Going to Stillwater this weekend, OSU was left for dead like a month ago. Yeah. They lost South Alabama by darn near 30 points at home. And everybody was saying, oh, my gosh, they stink. Oh, he's going to beat them by 50 when they play. Now here we are, and it doesn't feel like that at all. Oh, she's playing very well. Oklahoma's had a couple of rocky weeks in a row. What's kind of your read on uh, this matchup here going to this weekend? Can OU stop Ollie Gordon at all? You know, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I obviously don't want to dive into it too much because you guys are going to do a ton of the actual in-game breakdown. Sure, sure. So what I will lead off with is this. We were both there the last time this game was played in Stillwater. Mm -hmm. And, man, th this game literally feels like program-altering type of outcomes, you know? And it's it's an electric atmosphere, especially when it's in Stillwater, because there's that level of, like, they want it so bad. They, and, yeah, yeah. and Oklahoma State fans are going to want it even more now that this game is potentially going to shut down for – the foreseeable future. I think one of our board members at Sooners Illustrated made a really good point. Like, if you look at the schedules, the earliest this game would be able to be played next in the regular season would be like 2029 or something crazy. So whoever wins this game gets the last laugh, almost literally. And I look at this matchup, I know that that place is going to be a really tough place to play for OU. The missed tackling, so on and so forth, like Ollie Gordon. Yeah, we can talk about it all. I, In order to try and take a little bit of a different approach, number one, what I think is kind of strange and what I do want to give credit to is I was someone who said earlier on in the season, as you mentioned, when Oklahoma State was left for dead, I was like, I don't care what the game spread is for Bedlam. Go ahead and give me OU to come. And now the fact that I'm questioning that, <laughs> a testament to Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy and the job that they've done, yeah. Alan Bowman, Ollie Gordon. But also I was thinking about this too, like, and it's kind of an interesting added layer to this is, you know, I, I was asked by our, our corporate level, hey, there's stuff that we can talk about recruiting-wise in this matchup. And I was sitting there like, man, there's not a lot of intersection between these two teams anymore when it comes to recruiting. And that's kind of crazy to think. And, and so you look at this program for Oklahoma State and the way that they've built it up, especially now that OU and Oklahoma State just flat out don't have a lot of recruiting battles anymore. I find it very fascinating, and it's going to make maybe some of the matchups here a little bit fun to follow because there's not maybe that level of familiarity that's typically in place when you're recruiting the same guys year in and year out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. For that reason, I wanted to talk about, from my opinion, two things that I think are really important in the game. Number one, uh, one of our board members asked me, hey, how do you see the matchup on the line of scrimmage between Oklahoma State's offensive line and OU's defensive front? Obviously, Oklahoma State's offensive line isn't considered necessarily a world-beater type of group, but Ollie Gordon is Ollie Gordon. Mm. And then there's OU's defensive front, who at times has played really well, and then there's other times where it's like, 
where they go. And I think that a key little layer to this matchup is actually the interior defensive line for OU, specifically guys like Jacob Lacey, Isaiah Coe, Jonah Laulu, Dejon Terry, against the interior of that Oklahoma State offensive line. So take the ends and the tackles out of it. I went back, Josh. It's actually very convenient if you'd like to do it, fans at home, or you, Josh. Someone put out uh, a highlight reel of every single one of Ollie Gordon's rushes against Cincinnati last weekend, where he went for 271 yards. They just cut all those runs out and they placed it together. It's like a three-minute long clip, which is objectively <laughs> hilarious if you think about it. And I'm watching, and I'm like, man, they didn't even like – it wasn't really Ollie Gordon getting to the outside and cutting it up and making a ton of guys miss. Like, basically, especially in the first half of that game, Oklahoma State said, we're going to just run – inside gap scheme kind of stuff right at Cincinnati, which is a defensive line you typically don't want to mess around with. Right. And it's like, we're just going to beat them up inside. And I, when I tell you they attacked right downhill at that those A-gaps and stuff between the guards and the center, I was blown away. And especially, too, when you look at some of the PFF grades, like those Oklahoma State guards and their center, they don't always grade out necessarily all that well. So, for me, I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, okay, for OU's defensive front, especially those interior guys and those kind of top four in the rotation, if you don't come to play, like Oklahoma State's not afraid to go bang heads inside. And if the Cowboys are allowed to do so, this game gets really interesting. The other part of this, too, we talk about, obviously, the run game for Oklahoma State and all that, blah, blah, blah. Kind of the surprising nature of this edition of Bedlam, the final one, neither offense is necessarily all that explosive downfield. Like, there haven't been a ton of explosive plays. They're not throwing the ball around the yard as maybe what we're used to seeing from the Sooners and Cowboys whenever this game is played. And I think that's reflected in the total. I think typically I saw a statistic like, the over-under for Bedlam is typically around 75 points on average, and this year it's at like 64, which is a pretty significant jump downwards. So who creates the more explosive plays? Who gets it going in the passing game? And I think that's a huge aspect of this, especially if both teams are able to key in on the run game. We know that OU's been one-dimensional at times. I don't expect Oklahoma State to let OU run the ball this week, especially with some of the talent that they have in the box. So those are kind of some things I'm keeping an eye on in this matchup. And depending on how those specific things go, I think that's a really defining aspect or two of how this edition of what could be the final bedlam might ultimately end up. What you feel? What's the game pick? Final right. bedlam. Oklahoma go out. It's uh, – let me get, make sure I get it right. 91-19-7. and seven. Does Oklahoma State get win number 20? And the final version is Oklahoma take care of business. What, what's your feel? Oklahoma six point favorite as it stands okay. right now. At a six point favorite, I again I said a couple weeks ago, whatever the game spread is for Bedlam, give me OU to cover. I feel like I would be a whole bunch of baloney if I didn't stand ten toes down right here, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with my gut. I'm gonna take it. I'm not gonna back off my word. But because I get six points, I get to look pretty pretty good in this scenario. So I'm going to say 38-31 in favor of Oklahoma. So a, a cover there. 
Yeah. For OU. Not the biggest one, but I do believe that Jeff Levy has heard all the noise. You saw what he did the last time his play calling fell into question. He went out the very next game and just dialed it up. I don't think Oklahoma State's all that great in the secondary, Josh. I, I don't know that they cover all too well. I assume that's showing up on tape. And the bottom line here, too, is you got to avoid the defensive front and linebacker group for Oklahoma State. Like, they have a couple of playmakers who can make things interesting inside. So I think OU gets to throw the ball around a little bit. I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be motivated. I think these wide receivers will try to be more explosive than the offenses looked. And, yeah, I'm expecting Oklahoma State to get theirs. But in the end, I think OU does enough to get the final victory. Mm. No more 20th win, and we send this rivalry into the sunset. Give me the Sooners to win and cover. Last one for who knows how long. going to be weird, but it's going to be fun. It's always, yeah, in still water. The emotion is so high, like you kind of mentioned earlier. But, yeah, for this one, last time for who knows how long. It'll be – it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a madhouse. It's going to be mayhem. Can't wait. It's fun. It's fun to get to Boone Pickens for this game and uh, look forward to it on Saturday afternoon. going to be great weather, it looks like, after miserable in, in Lawrence. We've earned that, all of us. So uh, excited for it. going to be a lot of fun. CK, appreciate you, sir. We'll see you next Thursday. We'll be getting ready for Oklahoma, West Virginia. And uh, OE Basketball have a game under their belt. Might get your thoughts on that as well. And anything else going on on the recruiting side next yep. Thursday? I'm very glad that God is smiling down on this Bedlam rivalry. We get a top 25 ranked matchup in beautiful conditions. The fan bases deserve it. This game is what we all deserve as a college football landscape. So I'm very excited to go see it. Don't get hit with a paddle, my friend. And you out there, be safe driving out if you're going to the game. And remember, 60% off an annual subscription at SoonersIllustrated.com. Huge, a Bedlam Week special. Remember, that gets you through the Bedlam game, through the West Virginia home game, which is going to have a ton of recruiting visitors. That will be key. And that's a whole year-long sub. So that takes you through spring and fall practice, Mm -hmm. both signing days, the start of next season, and all the summer recruiting talk. 60% off at Sooners Illustrated, folks. I went and called the mustaches myself, guys. All right? (laughs) I, I did that for you. So please come join us. I'm putting in the grind. Our whole team of Sooners Illustrated has done a great job, and I can't wait for Bedlam on Saturday. No better time than now, November. It's Championship November, as it used to be called around here. Maybe yeah, is that a little thing? I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that went away with the previous the previous review. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it. We'll get Tom and James in here now. Full Bedlam preview and a little bit of hoop season preview on the way out as well. Kind of right now, right here, Sooners Illustrated podcast. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, we now bring in James D. Jackson, Tom Green, gentlemen, bedlam this weekend, the final bedlam for ever, I don't know, at least a very long time, uh, getting out of Stillwater first time for Tom. First Bellum experience. I think James, James, you've been to Boone Pickens before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been out Okay. There. Been to Boone Pickens. So, first time for Tom getting to Boone Pickens and old Stillwater America. How excited are you guys? It's going to be a fun. It's going to be raucous. It's going to be raucous. Yeah. It, it's, I'm just really honored that, you know, they decided that they were just going to discontinue this after I, I came here for one of them. One crack at it. No. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm excited to, to see it out. You know, like I've told you guys before, we'll have a good rivalry game. Um, I think this one's going to have a little extra oomph to it since it's the last one for the, like, like Josh said, for the foreseeable future um, with, you know, neither team having the other one on their schedule um, moving forward with Oklahoma going to the SEC and Oklahoma State staying in the Big 12 seems like, you know, kind of a little bit of bitterness on both sides with that. And, you know, we'll see if they can come to a, you know, come to an agreement down the road on when to get this thing resumed. Yeah, you know, I can't imagine this will be the last one ever, but just the way the schedule shake out, they won't be playing anytime soon. Okay, I'm gonna handle some housekeeping real fast here. Look at the new look at the new look. I know if you're watching this on on the on YouTube, <laughs> we got a new look going here. I think it's pretty clean and pretty, pretty stylish. I like this. The the blue and the blue and gray looks pretty cool. Shout out to Josh for figuring that out. Now this is supposed to be implemented about a month ago. Jim just, just likes it because he's in the middle. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm conceited, I guess. But he, he realized it and got it situated for us, so he got it handled. Looks pretty cool. Pretty cool yeah, stuff. Now, on the game. And fancy now. Yeah, on, on, right the, game, right on the game. Right I know. I mean, I, I've, I've kind of touched on this before the season. I mean, it sucks that Bellum's, you know, ending for quite some time or whenever it comes back. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. Like I said, between – my my parents and, and how they view it because my grandparents went to OSU, my parents went to OU, and so you no longer have that, you know, talking back and forth, you know, just in the household about who won the, the game that year. You know, now it's just going to be about complete resumes, which isn't really, you know, as, as fun. So, I mean, it, it just sucks. It sucks that that's the case, but you, you're looking for OU to get the last one and, and have that bragging right to go on for quite some time, I think, uh, if you're an OU fan. For sure. No, I mean, this is, you know, the biggest sporting event in the state of Oklahoma every year is, is the Bedlam game. I mean, it, it's the Oklahoma Super Bowl, you know, growing up in this state. I think, you know, it, it's one of those – it's not like OU Texas that has, I think, probably the national appeal, although Bedlam does have national appeal, mm-hmm. um, but not to the same level. But within the state lines, it's it's massive. It's a massive deal. So it is going to be weird if they're not going to – next year that they won't play. Like, that's almost hard to – fathom it doesn't really even feel like it almost feels like next year will be it won't really settle in until the next year is over it's like they didn't play bedlam this year like it it feels like they're still gonna play it and you know i know they're not you know but uh it's gonna be fun this weekend it it, the hatred level in this game is still very very high it's it's not that far off of you texas there is a lot of disdain maybe even more so in some ways um because the mutual respect like isn't there the same way like oh in texas it's a little more like both are blue bloods and the hatred is so high, but there's kind of a like a pure mono and mono thing. Whereas here, it's Oklahoma really just looks down Oklahoma State as this garbage little brother, and OSU looks up and just hates the big school. Like it, it's 
there's not a lot of you know love lost there though it's that's what makes it really fun and uh i was just talking to colin especially in Stillwater, because the hatred is higher there um it it's 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 right. It's it's a scene. It's a scene. So I mean, that's that's what it. makes it the rivalry because it's, it's not really a rivalry in terms of, you know, kind of an even balance between games. You know, right. this team right. wins because OU's won a lot more. You know, in this situation, uh, it's it's just that situation you're talking about. OU's been the prominent school for so long, and OSU's been trying to get there, and they they've just been the team that's been in the way. So there's just hatred there. Just that's the yeah. way it works. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I know I'm new to this rivalry, but I've been mm-hmm. you know studying up on it and. Yeah, it's just it's kind of fascinating that it's a rivalry that kind of predates the state of Oklahoma itself. Like, yeah. Oklahoma was still mm-hmm. a territory when these teams first started playing each other. So that just like shows how far back it goes and just kind of how deep seated those feelings are between these two sides. Yep. Yep. And it should be a fun game. We're getting a great way to end it. Uh, Oklahoma nine in the playoff rankings on Tuesday. They came out. Oklahoma State twenty two. So both teams are in the top twenty five. Both teams are certainly in the Big Twelve title race. We're getting we're going out on a high note. Uh yeah. still, it's gonna be fun to watch this weekend. Yeah, I guess, guys, going in, how do you kind of I mean Oklahoma's a favorite, not by a lot, but they're the favorite. Six point favorites as it stands today as we record on Thursday. I guess when you're going into this weekend, how are you envisioning this? Are you envisioning it as Oklahoma's on upset alert? Would you even call it an upset? I know they're the favorite hiring team, but it feels like this is gonna be just a good game. I guess two pretty good teams. OSU's playing good football. I guess going in, what are kind of some general thoughts and expectations for just how these teams match up uh, on Saturday when the you know the bulls start flying and the game actually kicks off? Yeah, I think one of the things that I kind of think of is like taking just a step back from this game in particular. You look at the Big Twelve. You got this, you know, Bedlam, and you have Texas, Kansas State. This weekend is kind of a de facto semifinal for the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just with those teams at the top, and you know. Really interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, Oklahoma State's been playing really good the last month since, the, since those back-to-back losses to South Alabama and Iowa State. Um, Oklahoma, you know, I don't want to say has been trending downward, but has stumbled a little bit coming out of that bye week a couple weeks ago. Um, so it's, it's just like the perception of how fans are kind of viewing this is like, okay, Oklahoma State's going this way. Oklahoma's going down a little bit. Where do they intersect there? Um, but, I mean – I'm just really curious to see how Oklahoma handles coming off its first loss, what they've done to address some of those issues that they've had the last couple of weeks, and kind of just how they how they look playing in beautiful weather this weekend, hopefully, mm-hmm. and uh, you know facing a more traditional offense than they've seen the last two weeks. I think that's going to make things a little bit easier on the defense, even though the task of trying to wrangle Ollie Gordon is by no means easy for anybody. <laughs> I mean, I think it's okay to say, oh, you've been trending downwards for a couple of weeks, but they have the chance to come back up. And that's that's what this win will will do, especially in the eyes of college football committee and, and I think the fans as well, to give them comfort. Okay, OU's figured it out. Now, like I said, a lot of it has been the injuries to why Oklahoma hasn't been up to their standard since Texas. It's been injuries and miscommunication here and there because you've got different guys in there. But uh, just figuring that out will be a, a pretty a good thing for OU. So if they, if they figure out – a a way to beat Oklahoma State. As we said, this the schedule is going to get a lot easier after that. You know, this is one of the last final, like, really tough tests on the schedule for OU. So just if they handle business here, they got a good shot at getting into the, the Big 12 title game. 
Hundred percent. Now, this is of the four games left. I think almost everybody would say this is this is the toughest one left. Oh, she's playing good football. It's going to be insane there in Stillwater. Uh, tough environment, things like that. Let's look, you know, at Oklahoma's offense here first. Obviously, a lot of eyes uh, on Jeff Levy. He's had a rough week. Um, the week we talked about a Monday show. Kansas was not his best uh, his best day. This offense didn't stretch the field. We talked about that at length. And Brett Venables talked about his press conference that he'd like them to be more aggressive. It feels like just with all the criticism, the weather's better. What Brett Venables said, it feels like it's just ripe for them to attack down the field a little bit more than what we've been seeing. And that would that would be a, a wise move for Oklahoma. Oklahoma State defensively hasn't really been very good at all. Uh, 90th in the country in pass yards per game allowed, 101st in rushing. But they're 55th in scoring. What does that tell you? They're really good in the red zone, a top 20 red zone defense. So finishing drives is going to be important for Oklahoma this weekend. Expectations for you guys. You know, obviously, a lot of eyes on Jeff Levy's unit. He needs a good day. Oklahoma puts up a nice point total, and it just feels like there's a nice rhythm and flow to it. He's had a bit of an up and down, really a whole tenure, but especially this season going back to, you know, when he had the Art Brial situation. He's just, he's had kind of a, you know, a, a season that has had some low moments. So a nice outing in Bedlam could go a long way for him. Some expectations and thoughts for Dylan Gabriel in this offense against uh, the Pokes. Yeah, I think outside of, like you said, the weather and, you know, Brendan Venable's comments about wanting to be more aggressive is just looking at the matchup that Oklahoma has coming in here against Oklahoma State. Like you said, Oklahoma State's passing defense is not great, you know, the, <clears throat> along with, you know, their total passing yards allowed. You know, they're 101st nationally in yards per pass attempt allowed at, you know, just under eight, um, 92nd passing defense, 91st in passing efficiency, um, you know, Oklahoma State's 108th in the nation in uh, in 20 plus yard pass plays allowed. They've given up 31 of those through the year. Um, only Cincinnati has given up more among Big 12 teams. And look, obviously missing Andrew Anthony has hurt Oklahoma the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know they've only had four passing plays of 20 plus yards uh, the last two games. So having him not in the lineup, you know, kind of takes away that dynamic of the offense. But they have guys that are capable of stretching the field. They just need to get them in position. You know, last week they attempted just two downfield passes of 20-plus yards, and one of those was on the final drive to Brennan Thompson. So certainly being more aggressive is going to help, but just the matchup kind of lends the opportunity for them to step up and kind of make those plays. And I expect them to, you know, open up the playbook a little bit, stretch, stretch the field, and, you know, try to get this offense rolling because they've kind of been stuck in a rut the last couple of weeks. I have no idea what to expect at this point. I mean, every time I come on here and have a definitive answer, all of a sudden a storm comes in against Kansas. All of a sudden, you know, running backs get hurt. Things like that happen. I mean, it's just like, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And I think that's what's going to be the most fun part about this. There's no like saying this is going to happen and that's what happens on Saturday. I think, I mean, it'll, it'll be crazy yeah. stuff. I mean, it's a rivalry game anyway. So there's, there's things that are going to happen that's uncommon. There may be some punt returns, kick returns. Uh, Josh, you've, you've seen that at Oklahoma State OU for quite some time. There's mm. goal line stops, two-point conversions that end the game, you know, things like that. It's going to be – it should be a fun situation. I think the point spread of six points, that's going to tell That's going to tell the story of maybe it'll be a really close game, and I think it'll be a lot of fun for both fan bases. Yeah, I mean, it opened at four points, didn't it? Oh, I thought Josh had six. No, 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 it's at six now, but I think oh, okay. like earlier in the week it, was, it opened at four points. So, like, people expect this yeah. to be a close game regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
For sure. No, I, yeah. For Oklahoma, I, I do expect a bounce back offensively. I think it'll be better. The weather will certainly help with that. You know, I think Oklahoma's going to, and Jeff Levy, I, they're going to let DG cook, I think, a little more. Um, mm-hmm. Only 19 passes. We talked about that a lot on Monday. Just too low of a number. I know we scramble a little bit, things like that. But um, I, I think Jalil Farouk, those receivers, they were so frustrated after the game on Monday. I, I'm just, I'm looking for that to respond. We don't really know where they're at running back wise it Todd Walker's been practicing I think the expectation he's going to be all right to give it a go um but you know obviously a little banged up toward the end of the game last week we don't know where Marcus Majors at after he missed last week's game Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes have both been in and out and not that effective in the little bit of time they've had so it just feels like they're gonna win this game they're gonna have to throw it around and and hope they can make big plays down the field with Farouk and Anderson and things like that and like you said earlier Tom they've, they've missed Angel Anthony so far they haven't really found a way to replace that we speculate on Monday, maybe get Brennan Thompson a little bit more involved. I think just overall you're going to see a better product from Oklahoma's offense uh, on Saturday. I think they'll have they'll, they'll have learned from what happened in Lawrence, and I think they're going to put it their best foot forward. I guess Oklahoma State defense, that's been a little spotty. So That we'll Brennan see. Thompson take, I, I think, like, like I said when we first talked about it, I think that's a really good take, but it doesn't seem like when we talked to Brent Venables that that was, you know, in the cards because he was talking about Nick Anderson still, so – not that Nick Anderson doesn't deserve it. I've been speaking highly of him. I just think if he goes back to what his role was before and you put Brendan Thompson there, it might be a little better. But it didn't seem like he even thought of uh, Brendan when we asked him about, you know, who, you know, Nick Anderson replacing Andrew and how he's been doing at that spot since. So um, that's that's the only thing. I don't know. Is yeah, I mean, I was going to get the opportunity, like as as we were saying here. Yeah, I mean, to, to piggyback off that, I mean, I, I still you know think – you know, Nick Anderson is the starter there without Andrell. Yeah, yeah. They, they can afford to get Brennan a few more opportunities than the six, the six snaps he played at the end of that game, really. Um, you know, there, there, there's there's a balance to, be, to strike there. And, you know, I'm sure they're working on through um, all their issues that they've kind of, you know, recognized over the last two weeks in practice. And we'll, we'll see what they get. But I like, like Josh, I expect them to kind of put their best foot forward um, this week. Um they're going to need to do something with the running game. You know, I I, I lean toward Tawi being available. We'll see how effective he is and how limited he is after, you know, getting big mm-hmm. banged up there uh, late in the third quarter against Kansas. But, I mean, you look at what he did last week, you know, 146 rushing yards, a touchdown, career highs all around. But without him the last two weeks, the run game just has not been very good. I mean, against Kansas without him, they, you know, Take away his numbers, they average 3.8 yards per carry. The you know the rest of the team, the rest of the running backs, Stone Gabriel, all that. Week before against UCF, 189 yards. That's great, but you know just 4.1 yards per carry without him, not ideal. You know he really bolsters that run game, and you know I, I know James has been on the Tawi Walker train for a while, but mm-hmm. I mean, he is a difference maker in this offense because, you know, the rest of the running backs that they have, the guys that we thought were going to be, you know, those bell cows coming into the season have just been, you know, dealing with, you know, shoulder injury for Marcus Major, the hamstring injury for Gavin Sawchuk, the foot injury for Javante Barnes. You know, Tawi has been the most consistent guy, and they're going to need him to kind of steady the ship and provide some sort of stability in the backfield because what they've been kind of doing without him the last couple weeks, you know, putting Jalil Farouk in the backfield at times, We've seen Drake Stoops and Gavin Freeman back there. It's just not been, you know, sustainable. 
I think so. I, I said I didn't want to expect anything, but I do expect Howie to be out there, right? I, I think at this point in the season, it's like a lot of guys are banged up. Like if it's just an ankle, as as we think it is, and as he was mentioning, take that up and, and you can run on it because he's been practicing on it all week. You know, it shows you that he's out there. You know, when we when we saw Gentry uh, before our our interviews and everything, he wasn't even in pads. He was just running around. You know, things like that. We saw Ty, we actually in pads and and going full full throttle. I think. For what we saw uh, now, so that that I think that's a good sign for Tawi to actually be out there and be available. And uh, like Tom said, it's just seeing how much of himself is he going to be because you have to run through trash in this offense, and if he can't power through guys because of the ankle, that's going to be a, an issue there. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how bad the ankle actually is. Obviously, it was enough to keep him sideline those final couple drives against UCF. Yeah, but, I mean, remember a month ago we saw McCade Matoya go down, and we thought his season was over. Yeah. And he was back in the starting lineup last week. <laughs> um, quick aside, talk, talking to him the other day after practice, it was it was kind of amusing. It was like, yeah, I, I, I caused kind of a scene there. I was a little dramatic, but you know, we were taking precautions. <laughs> but a little uh, bad, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he he thought his season was over in the moment too, but like, yeah, obviously very good for him that it was just a, a sprain and they were able to get that, uh, you know, treated pretty quickly and have him back out there. But yeah, I mean. It's so funny because you see the, those injuries where it's like, oh, cart comes out, air cast, and hey, it's not as bad as you think. And then I don't even remember when Tawi, like, I don't even remember seeing him, like, get hurt in yeah. the game. And all of a sudden it's like, well, he, oh, maybe, maybe this one is a little bit more serious. It's like you mm-hmm. never, it, you can never tell how, you know, the extent of an injury by, like, what happens on the field per se. Well, we saw Tawi kind of like hobble off the field, but it, it didn't look like it was serious enough to keep him out the rest of the right. game. I think it's just that cold weather. It's harder to get those ankles back, you know, to where you can actually run on it and things like that. At the time, it's just a, such a you know impactful injury. But McCade's situation, I don't know what's going on with that because that that doesn't really make sense. Like, okay, he could be dramatic, but Tyler Guyton <laughs> was yeah. jumping up and down, getting the trainers out there, and then the trainers looked at it. I mean, uh, what's going yeah. on? The trainers even thought it was messed up, pretty pretty bad to, to get an air cast. Better safe than sorry. I don't. I guess I mean, just because he's a bigger guy, you want to just get him on the car. But I mean, that put a downer on every, every the whole game for a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, no. I mean, Oklahoma. You know, at this point, eight games in, Ty Walker's been the only guy who's had been consistently effective at all. So, yeah, it goes without saying. You could use him <laughs> this weekend. Oklahoma State rush defense, like I said, outside of the top one hundred in the country. So, if you want to try and run the ball a little bit, probably could use Tawi uh, giving it a go, and it and- seems like he will. And I, and I think they'll continue to use Dylan in the run game too. I think it'll be yeah. a little bit easier to do that in good weather than it was last week in that nasty weather that you had to sit through, Josh. I'm so <laughs> excited for this weekend. It looks just wonderful by comparison. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, if, if they can continue to get Dylan Gabriel to supplement the the run game, um, that could probably help them, especially if Tawi's not you know a hundred percent. But you know they're they have an opportunity to put up some big numbers in this game just because Oklahoma State's defense has not been great this season. Right. Defensively for Oklahoma, a lot of storylines, a lot of things to keep an eye on. Um, I just am dying to get to it. So I'm going to start with Trace Ford. Um, obviously going against his former team, this is, you know, going to be wild. You don't get a lot of these Bedlam transfers. They're pretty rare, um, especially in football. You've seen it in other sports kind of here and there. Baseball has exchanged guys a lot lately. Softball's had some big transfers. 
Um, even basketball has had some transfers. Women's hoops has one right now. Um, but football, it's pretty rare. But Trace Ford, obviously everybody knows, made the move from Stillwater to Norman this offseason. He kind of, you know, Trace Ford, if you ever talked to him, is a very soft-spoken individual, um, not really boisterous. He's been talked about OSU before. We had that media day back before the season. He kind of said, like, yeah, it'll be, you know, it'll be emotional, things like that. This week, he's let it fly. We didn't get to talk to him after practice this week. Um, Oklahoma kept him back, probably didn't want him to say anything, but on Thursday morning, this morning, he has his weekly spot with the sports animal, Oklahoma City, which is an NIL situation. Oh, you can't stop it, basically, and you know he's going to get asked about it. And on Mike Gundy's weekly presser on Monday, he basically said something to the effect of he hasn't really even noticed Trace Forward. He watches tape. He, he, you know, something that, you know, I haven't even noticed him, basically. Like, he doesn't stand out on tape, essentially, is what he was getting at. The quote from Trace Forward this morning. This is so bad, I love it. I cannot wait to play Mike Gundy. I can't wait to see his face. If he hasn't seen me on film yet, I hope he does this weekend. Let's go, Bellum. It's great. I love it. Trace Ford, you got to watch for him to make at least one huge play in this game, right? I mean, it's awesome. It's great. This is what Bellum's about. Yeah, I mean, he's been making plays. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing his best ball. Yeah. I, I guess Mike Gundy hadn't watched the Kansas game because – Trace, Trace Ford had two batted passes. I mean, obviously one of them resulted yeah. in that controversial catch that Kansas had. But, I mean, he's out there making plays. You know, at or the when he just dropped RJ Hardy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know what what uh, what game film Mike Gundy is watching or isn't watching or if he's delegating some of that to other people. But, I mean, Trace Ford has been a good pickup for this team this year. For sure. I mean, he's, he's playing a lot of different roles, too. Like you said, he was out there. In coverage, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, he's that type of athlete. Yeah, no, he's that. He's been playing better and better and better. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm sure that OSU fan base will be on him from warmups throughout. But uh, he seems like kind of the right, you know, personality. I think is the word I'm looking for uh, to kind of handle that. All right, that's going to be fun to watch. I love Bedlam. Um, the other thing, one of the one of the other many things, keep an eye on is obviously the health of Danny Stutzman. Don't know if he's going to give it a go or not. Um, we talked about it on Monday. Hurt is, I, I think they're calling it an ankle um, against Kansas. Tried to come out in the second half, played literally one snap and said, nope, cannot do this. Knowing Danny Stutzman, obviously I've covered him his whole career now. We've You guys have been talking to him all year. It seems like a high probability he's going to at least try. Um, you know, he'll go through warm-ups and, you know, get out there and at least give it a go. Who knows if it'll hold up or not. Um, but obviously that's a massive storyline. Um, yeah. the, the Oklahoma defense is nowhere near the same without Danny. He's the most important player on the team, period, offense or defense. You have to have him. So we'll see. That's going to be something to keep a close sign on warm-ups, how he looks. I'll be texting you guys up in the box like, he. I think he might you know, play. He looks fine or whatever. Um, if not Danny, probably a lot of Kip Lewis. That's a big storyline, a big question mark for Oklahoma going in. They need Danny Stutzman in this game. Yeah. I mean, I just want to take a second to appreciate Danny Stutzman's commitment to the bit. Um, Because we didn't talk to him this week, but on uh, Monday, he did his weekly, uh, you know, Monday morning hit with the the franchise. And, you know, he he said he got, you know, caught up by the turf monster and said that that dang stubbed toe again, which has kind of just been a recurring bit since what, the SMU game, I think, in week two. Um, so, so I appreciate his commitment to the bit there, but, um, you know, he, he's trying to get treatment. He's, he's hopeful that he'll play 
Um, you know, Brent Venable said on his show Monday night that he's got his fingers crossed. He sounded maybe a little bit more optimistic on Tuesday when we talked to him. But, you know, I, I'm with you, Josh. I think Danny's going to do everything he can to give it a go. But if not, you know, this is Kip Lewis's moment if Danny mm-hmm. Stutz is not available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last week he he played 42 snaps on defense, which was a career high. It matched the number of snaps he played last season in total. Um, and when he's been in there, he's just, you know, got a nose for the football. He makes plays. You know, he's, he was especially effective against the run um, against Kansas. You know, I think he had four stops where the play was a failure for the offense. Um, and they're going to need that against this Oklahoma State offense and what Ollie Gordon's been doing the last, you know, month, really. Um, obviously, you want Danny Sussman in there because he he's the heartbeat of that defense. Uh, not having him really hurts. But... You know, Kip Lewis. If, if this is his first career start, man, what 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 a you know what a moment for him to have an opportunity to really make a name for himself because um, they're they're going to need that linebacker play specifically against the run in this game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as 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 you said, I mean, he's the heartbeat of that defense. So you know, Kip Lewis certainly has the ability to to play a good game and be effective there. It's just like you you need Danny Stutzman out there because that's your leader, man. You, you follow your leader to things like that. And, you know, looking at pre-snap, he's one of the most vocal guys letting people know where to be, yeah. what the assignment is. I mean, that you can't really replace that. I mean, that he just he's that good. He understands football that well that, you know, it, it, he makes it easier on everybody else just being out there. So that's why you expect or you want Danny Stutzman to be out there uh, for the Sooners' defense. I mean, he's a Stutzman's. I mean, he's a Butkus semifinalist for a reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll get renamed. Oh, Tom's Tom, Tom, pitching for it to get renamed. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's the most important player on the entire team. And both, yeah, like you guys said, it, it, obviously his level of play has been so high, leads the team in tackles and all that stuff. But yeah, what he brings from an emotional standpoint, leadership, all of that. Um, and if we know Danny Stutzman at all, if he can play even a little bit if there's any chance he can play he will mm-hmm. so we'll keep an eye on that uh during during warm-up certainly and uh, we'll see once the bulls start flying if he's able to give it a go gonna be a, a very big storyline going into saturday afternoon in general uh, i think the other thing obviously most people are going to keep an eye on is how can oklahoma stop ollie gordon if you're not familiar with ollie gordon at this point uh how first off but second off leading rusher in the country averaging well over 130 yards per game that's a lot uh, OSU has a top 30 rushing offense basically just because of him. They're only they're averaging 184 yards a game. He's averaging 138, I think it is, by himself. So he is their rushing offense. They're 55th in passing, 46th in scoring, solid offense, nothing crazy, but it's all about him. Ollie Gordon, especially as of late, over 500 yards the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. He's running all over the place. He's got into the Heisman mix. It feels like for Oklahoma, you keep him in check, you're probably going to be fine. You'll let him run all over the place. You're probably going to be in trouble. Is it that simple to you guys, or is there more to it than that? That's what Brent Venable said. That's exactly what he said. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if you, like, can keep him in check per se, but you can't let him run for 250 yards. Yeah. I, I think he's going to get his to some extent. But if you can corral him – limit him as best you can it you know it's gonna make things a lot more difficult in Oklahoma State but I mean limiting him is difficult I mean he's been on a tear the last month um 
leads the nation in yards after contact with 659. Um, he's 22nd in missed tackles force with 37, and missed tackles have been an issue for Oklahoma the last few weeks. You know, they only had nine against Kansas, according to Pro Football Focus, but over the last three games, they're averaging 14.3 per game. That's looking a lot like last year's numbers, which was not great. That's not what you want. They need to clean that up. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see if, you know, they can kind of, you know, get their fundamentals right, get their effort right, because, it, you know, it was poor effort. It was it was poor form last week against Kansas. And we saw a little bit of that against UCF too. But again, maybe facing a more traditional offense, one that doesn't have a lot of that eye candy and pre-snap motion like UCF and Kansas did is going to, you know, help cure some of those woes that we've seen from the defense in recent weeks. But it begins with, you know, getting hats on Ollie Gordon and just bringing him down. You cannot let him get yards after contact and just carry the pile and move the chains with right. ease. You have to make him earn those yards. Yeah, it's been a while since we've even seen a running back to this caliber, you know, in college football. That you know, the offense is really centered around just just him, pretty much. You know, that's that's the way Oklahoma State's been doing over the last couple of games, and that's why they've improved so much because they had their quarterback issues early on, trying to figure out who the quarterback was, and all of a sudden. Now they got this, you know, high caliber running back that's, you know, in, in, in talks with Barry with Barry Sanders, which is a crazy thing to say. But I mean, he's he's been that good over the last couple of games. So, you know, it, it kind of worries you after you saw what Oklahoma did in the uh, in the tackling thing performed against Kansas, because of you know how they play defense and things like that. That's kind of concerning. But hopefully they they find it. As as Tom said, without all the eye candy now they can get back to being, you know, really heavy on first pursuit and not have to worry about, okay, I'm in this position for this play, but is it is it actually going the other way? Maybe they can just focus on being there and that that should be that should help be helpful for them in this game. Yeah. And and we talked about, you know, the importance of the linebackers and run support here. But the guys that I'm really keeping an eye on to have like a big impact on this game are guys like Isaiah Coe, Dejon Terry, Jacob yeah. Lacey, those interior linemen. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Coe and Terry in particular have been really, really good against the run this season. So if they can control that point of attack and you know not let Oklahoma State's offensive line get that push, it'll do a lot to help this defensive effort. Let's go ahead and pick the game. Colin had 38-31 Sooners, so a slight <laughs> cover. <laughs> yeah, you can do the same. No, there's no rules you're doing the same. Um, Six-point spread, like I said. We're all 6-2 and two straight up after Oklahoma lost to Kansas last week. Um, I think I, I need to check the numbers. I think James and I are six and two against the spread. Tom McConnell five and three. I think. Um, what do we think? Final bedlam. Does Oklahoma get it done and uh, get back on track uh, going into the final stretch, or do they take a second loss in a row? Uh, lead it off, James. All right, let me go. I'll, I'll go first. I guess. <laughs> now, I, for some reason, the number that keeps popping in my head every time somebody asks me is thirty-five, thirty-one, and I know that's against the spread and things like that, but that just it seems about right for me. I think it's going to be a close, you know, last last Bedlam game. And I think OU is going to get it 35-31 and uh, come away with the victory and, and, and keep going forward. I mean, Drake's – we talked to Drake Stoops about the loss right after Kansas, and he was talking about how they're going to be really focused on not making it a, you know, a habit now, you know, just getting back mm-hmm. into the groove of things. Don't let that one loss ruin the entire season. And I think I think if he's saying that, you know, that's, gonna, that's getting around to the other guys because he is one of the leaders on the team as well. And I, I feel like they really have a focus on doing that. Now, just stopping Ollie Gordon is the main issue uh, defensively for the Sooners, and they can do that 
that changes a lot of what Oklahoma State does. And that it seems like a more simpler path to victory when you say it. I mean, when you say it, it's easy, but you know, you still got to perform it <laughs> against that guy. But I think it's simpler than what it's been over the last couple of games against the other teams. Tom? Hey. Uh, I, I've been <laughs> talking him because, like, coming into this, I, I was like kind of on the same page as Colin, but I don't want to take the same score as Colin, so I'm trying to do the math in my head, and that's always a dangerous thing when you ask me to do math. <laughs> um, there, there's a reason I deal in words and not numbers, <laughs> um, right? But no, I, I just think, look, like I said, I think Ollie Gordon is going to get his, but you can't let him pop off like he has the last couple weeks. Um, yeah, I, I think that Oklahoma State's defense just has too many holes, too many concerns. I expect Oklahoma to kind of air it out a little bit more than they did, certainly than they did against Kansas. Um, yeah, yeah no rain. Stretch the field a little more. Yeah. Let Dylan Gabriel have a little more free reign. Um, yeah, I, I think Oklahoma's going to win this game. I think they're going to cover. But I think I still expect it to be a close, good game for the most part. Um, I'm going to go with – I hate doing math um, – 4538 Oklahoma points. Yeah, points. Man, he's he's old he's old school big 12. That's what he's, you're he's smashing the over. Yeah. Um I think Oklahoma's going to play not well. smashing. That's Oh, the over on the points. Over, yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um I think was going to play well. Um I think they're going to bounce back. Uh I got 3827 Oklahoma. I think that they will keep Ollie Gordon in check relatively. I just don't know if OSU has got enough outside of Ollie Gordon to really Make it happen. I, the Sooners are going to bounce back defensively. I have to believe Gabriel's going to throw it around. They'll make some big plays. It's going to be close. You know, Oklahoma's not going to blow them out by any means. But I think in the end, the Sooners win fairly comfortably. 11-point game, 38-27, and uh, get their 92nd win in the Bedlam rivalry. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Isn't it, is it a 91-19 and seven? And seven? Yeah, seven ties. 91-19 and seven. 91 yeah. backwards. I, I, I do just want the record to note that I would have gone 38-31 had Colin not picked it, but I'm just trying to switch it up, get a little variety in here. Um, That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Before we go. So now if they if they score your yeah. point, so I don't want to hear that you got credit for it then because you only did it because. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I, like I, I realized like I, I just picked Oklahoma State to score more points than anybody else has against Oklahoma this year. Mm -hmm. um, well, Kansas had 38 too, but that was. Match them, yeah. That was also a a pick six contributed to that. So like Oklahoma's defense itself has not given up more than 31 points in a game this season. Um, but oh, well, I don't, I don't put too much stock in these picks anyway. <laughs> it's all for fun. Before we go, a little bit of hoops, just a dad, just a sprinkle of hoops on the way out. Season openers are Monday for both men and women. The women are at noon against Wichita state. The men are at seven against central Michigan. Um, we will be uh, your one-stop shop for, Basketball coverage this year as well, obviously. And football is king. You know, we're going to – football is what steers the ship. And this show is going to be heavy football 24-7, 365. But we will bring more and more basketball in as the season goes on. So just a little bit of just on the way out here. Some thoughts going into the openers. James, obviously, you're going to be covering the women for us. That is a team – again, I said they Monday opener at noon against Wichita State. That's a team that is replacing – a lot. I mean, pretty much everything from what mm -hmm. they've had under Jenny Bronchek. They've been really good. They said the other day, it sounds like Liz Scott, another one of the key players, is probably going to be out for a while. They didn't say exactly how long, but it might be a bit. James, I guess just initial impressions for you. I know you haven't even seen the team yet. Or, you know, we're, we're still waiting for first game, but just 
as we get ready to start the thing, just what are kind of your expectations, I guess, uh, for Oklahoma this year? A little bit of a rebuild slash transition after you're replacing Taylor Robertson, Maddie Williams, all those play- – Ani Anus, all those guys, players who were so good for so long have all obviously uh, moved on now. I mean, yeah, you said it. I mean, that trio is is the is the big thing that you have to figure out now. Now they now, granted, they looked really good in their exhibition. Uh, they did. I don't know well, if you saw that, that score. <laughs> that that's that's a pretty good start to what they're they're trying to do. So I mean, obviously, the offense is there somewhere. They figure that out, and they've added so many Oklahoma kids now from, from the state of Oklahoma, like Landry Allen, the girl from Tuttle that I covered mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. That she's she is the real deal. Like she's she's going to be really good, especially when she gets older and gets more into the college game. We've got, you know, Lexi Keys. Both of these girls that I've had, well, women, I should say women now, both of the women that I've put on, you know, when I was at my former place on the Super 5 team, which is the top five players in the state. I mean, both of those women made it. And right. so, I mean, they're really good. They're, they're going to have to be the ones kind of help step up and, and you know, fill in that, that, the gap that that trio is leaving. I mean, and obviously I'll have more to say about this after media day, which is I'm going to head out there and, have stuff up Today. probably before yeah. this podcast goes up i'll just have something on media day and things like that but yeah just want to go out and see the team because we also get to see a practice as well beforehand so i'll, I'll get a lot more you know you know looking and eyes on as i should say now now josh i know you was out at men so you you got a full sure. breakdown uh of, after what you saw last night yeah as far as the men go like we said they're also on monday monday night against central michigan to seven o'clock tip at the lnc um, did get to see the team in a scrimmage last night, the Crimson and Cream scrimmage, basically kind of like a football spring game, if you want to compare it to that. And I recommend, too, if you're an OU fan and you have even the slightest interest in hoops, that game was not broadcast last night, so there's nowhere to watch it. I have a highlight tape on the YouTube, and it's also on the site as well. It's five minutes long. Give it a look. You get to see some of the new guys, things like that. Just real quick, I'll say, clearly more athletic, which was a major thing that they needed to do in the offseason. They've done that. Jalen Moore was awesome to protect transfer. Um, I really like John Hughley. The Pittsburgh transfer is going to make a big difference on the boards. Uh, Rivaldo Suarez, the Oregon transfer, hit six threes. He was stroking it from deep. A lot of guys impressed. Way more depth. Way more athletic. They certainly feel like Moser's best team. Now, that's not a high bar. They've been pretty bad. They were last place in the Big 12 last year. They feel like they're improved. Tom, you and I are going to be covering the men all year long. We're going to be at the opener on Monday. Obviously, you didn't cover this team last year, so you maybe don't have that point of reference. But some, I guess, initial impressions for you uh, going into this season opener on Monday. They feel like they have a chance to maybe make some some noise a little. I mean, obviously, we'll see. The Big 12 is tough, but it feels like there's a chance for it. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how this team looks. I, I didn't make it out to the scrimmage last night. I was picking up my mom from the airport and taking her out to dinner. She's visiting OKC for a few days. So um, appreciate Josh getting out there and – putting some notes up from the scrimmage on the board. Um, But yeah, I mean, this team looks a lot different than it did last year. You know, a lot of newcomers, a lot of transfers, a couple of, you know, pretty, pretty highly touted freshmen. Um, Look, they were one of the slowest teams in the country last season in terms of tempo. They have the bodies and the skill set to kind of push it a little bit more. We'll see how, just how much faster they can play. I know Porter has, you know, made a point of it throughout the off season saying that they they want to push the right. ball more. They feel like they have the personnel to be able to get some more transition points, uh, get the ball moving and get some easy baskets, which you need to do in this league. Um, you know, more athletic, longer. I'm really, really curious to see John Hewley. 
um, the kind of impact he has as like more of a traditional big man there. Uh, Luke Northweather, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of a stretch for him out there. Yeah. yeah. What want to see because, you know, Porter said that he's the guy that's probably been the most consistent player in practice, you know, this fall. Um, and then just those athletic guards, man. Um, I, I want to see how they kind of play off each other, kind of what kind of uh, step uh, Milos can take in, you know, his his second season, what JV McCollum can bring to the table after transferring in. You know, I, I think they have some dudes to be competitive. I, you know, obviously it's a very deep and challenging league. But if they can, like, finish in the middle of the pack in the Big 12, I, I think that's kind of, you know, almost a proof of concept for Porter in year three, um, especially because he's probably a tournament team. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's had to go through a couple of, you know, massive rebuilds in his first couple of seasons. And obviously, you know, that's not sustainable. He doesn't want that to be how he builds this team, but, you know, he thinks this could be a good foundation for the program moving forward. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see just how improved they can be. I think the goal should be to try to finish in the middle of the pack there in the league. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for basketball. I know I know like Josh said, we focus is still football all the time here. But I mean, I, I'm excited to get out there and watch some basketball. Sure, no, 100. percent And uh, like we've seen in the past, seven eight wins is kind of all you need in the Big 12 to get at least onto the bubble and in the yeah. conversation. So we'll see what they can do. They got a fun team on paper. Um, again, I recommend you check out that highlight tape. We talked to Moser afterward for about five minutes. That's also up on YouTube. Um, and he mentioned that the depth is going to help them play faster to your point that they can rotate more guys in. He said to me that he only wants to play about eight or so guys. I count at least 10 that you can play and feel okay about. So there, some of these guys are just not going to be able to play because they, they have the most depth they've had in, in a while, yeah. which is a good problem to have. Like, yeah. Not a problem, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And in basketball, it's so hard to keep like a nine, 10 man rotation, especially once you get exactly. to play. Yeah. Um, you Fortunately, you have that little bit of a runway with non-conference action to kind of sort things out and play through it. Um, so we'll keep an eye on how that shakes out. But just the fact that they feel like they have more bodies that they can count on and not have a huge drop-off from the starting lineup to the reserves should bode well for this team. Hoops. It's upon us. Does the calendar flips in November? Is that time? Both openers on Monday. We'll have you covered on both. Um, James will get over to the women's opener, I do believe, on Monday afternoon. Tom and I will uh, scoot over to the men's opener right after we do football post-practice interviews. So a busy Monday uh, for all of us uh, mm-hmm. coming up here after the Bedlam weekend. That's it for us. This was a packed show. We had a lot to get to. We'll have a lot to get to on Monday. That time of year, November, is just a busy, busy time. And uh, there's no better place to be than right here on this show to keep up with it all. And they'll come a VIP subscriber, like Colin and I mentioned earlier, 60% <laughs> off right now for Bedlam week. For a year, so you sign up, you get the stretch run for football, you get all the basketball season, you get transfer portal season, everything. You won't have to worry about renewing it until this time next year. So great time to, to like pop half in. a cup of coffee per month. I so mean, come on, come on, for you to be the most well-informed guy at the office uh, on your team, yeah. your school. It's cut a, back it's on those pumpkin spice lattes for for just a for just a couple weeks, and you can become a <laughs> member for a full year here. I recommend it highly, um, obviously. I guess I'm a little biased, but I still recommend it. <laughs> That's it for us. We're all going to be in Stillwater on Saturday. Be sure to keep up. Oklahoma.247sports.com. Going to have loads of coverage coming out of what it should be a crazy day in Stillwater at Boom Pickens Stadium. Very excited for this one. We're all going to be there. Be sure to keep up. Like I said, 
VIP boards, the game thread, and then afterward, game stories from these guys, Colin Kennedy, YouTube channel for reaction from James and I, Brent Venables, Dylan Gabriel, coordinators, more players. That's all going to be all over the place for you Saturday night after the game on game day. The place to be is Oklahoma247sports.com, Sooners Illustrated, the best spot. That's it for us. We'll be back on Monday to recap Bedlam, whatever the heck happens this weekend in Stilly. We'll see you then. For Colin Kennedy earlier, Tom Green, James E. Jackson, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys Monday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast. See you.